Father, we bring our, our hearts. They're full of gratitude to you. And they're also occupied to varying extents by needs. Some of it, oh Lord, we haven't moved into faith and we're just full of fear. Others, we're about half and half. And I ask that in this service today, you will touch every life so that we will move out of fear, we will move out of doubt, move into the simple rest in faith in the arms of our Father, that every need in this room may be met before we leave. Lord, I bless the churches up and down this street and around this community, across this nation and around the world where Jesus is lifted up, the message proclaimed, salvation through the grace of God working by our faith. Lord, if that message is being preached, may it be so powerful today, it'll be up a level or two from where it's ever been in that particular congregation. Do that here. We need you. Lord, bless our people who are scattered around the countryside on this holiday. May they be safe. May they have a wonderful, restful time. And we bless you and we thank you for it. And Lord, since we have already made reference to your concern for Israel, we just want you to know that no matter what their policies are, that if you call them yours, we say bless those people that are yours. You claim them, help them, bring forth salvation through Jesus Christ, protection. Lord, would you save every Jew, every non-Jew in Israel today. Bring forth the anointing of the Holy Spirit to deal with those folks that they may come to know the one whom to know is life eternal. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you, O oh God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Before you're seated, would you just give a thanks to our uh, worship team for leading us? Be seated, please. steaming north in search of better fishing and finds itself in the middle of freezing temperatures and rough seas. The Time Bandit encounters another crab boat. The deckhands are astounded to see a crew member chaining the pots in 30-foot seas. Looks pretty dangerous when they start driving. No, you don't look like he's in a very good position. He's all the way down on the rail, down by the water. When their shift is over, the deckhands return to the cabin, but Captain Jonathan keeps his eyes on the vulnerable man still hanging off the nearby boat stack. The boat is rolling so much, the man can touch the frigid sea below him. Then, he disappears. Get 
The Time Bandit is in the best position for a rescue, but they have only minutes before the fisherman loses consciousness and drowns. Let's go, let's go, let's go! Jonathan struggles to get the Time Bandit close enough for his men to throw a life ring to the drowning man. circles back around to assist as the time bandit crew attempts to haul the fisherman out of the water. The rescued man's skipper is on the radio. Josh is not out of danger yet. Hypothermia has numbed his limbs. He needs to warm up or he could still die. said that's what we're here for you know it it's really not they're there to crab except everyone everywhere at all times needs to be in the position to save someone and I want to I want to establish something in your mind about us in this congregation we who are the Crown Point Church family, we who are the ones whom God has placed where we are to do what we do, we are in the redemption business. Now, we don't even have a secondary uh, thing that would be like crabbing. Uh, we are here to redeem folks, to redeem every area of their life. As much as God will help us and has provided for us in the gospel, we need to be doing that. So that, let's let that be the big idea this morning, that we're in a redemption business. What business are you in? I'm in a redemption business. What business are you in? Let it soak in. Now, we are, we are talking in the series called Rescue Me, we're talking about being saved, past tense, being saved, present, progressive, being 
will be saved. Uh, we shall be saved, future tense. And this is a study of, uh, in seminary they call it soteriology. That's from the Greek word. Uh, the, the verb is sozo. And it means to save. Does it matter how you live in the present progressive tense of saved after you have the experience of past tense being saved? And we testify, I was saved back so-and-so. Uh, when you make application for membership, date converted. And so you have to, you have to put in that blank there something. And uh, we are interested in being, having been saved. However, the message to the church, along with the redemption business that we are in, is to continue to be saved. This is my favorite part of all of the scripture, and God has just put that in my heart. He made me that way. I want to see people redeemed in their daily life. I want to see you healed. If your emotions are a mess, I want five years from now, if Jesus waits to come, I want to see you with so much more peace and so much more joy and your life propelled by so much more hope than it is today, etc. You know, whatever the deal is, I want that, that just I look at people when they make progress like that, and it just makes me crazy with pleasure and joy. That's just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, just kind of gets all over me. God made me like that. However, part of the message, and I want, I want you to really get this. Part of the message is it matters how you live after you're saved. Past tense saved. It matters how you live and in the scripture this is called repentance to repent means to turn from sin and resolve to reform one's life and also to feel sorry for something done now many times we we talk about people and they say boy he really repented and it's this second part which in scripture and in the application of biblical repentance should be called confession so we we kneel in prayer whether it's in front of a church or wherever we are we kneel in prayer we're very sorry and we confess our sins and we ask God for help uh, and in a small way that is the verb to repent but really is turning from sin is what the scripture deals with so we need to confess our sins and repent so you got, you got that picture. Now, the scripture is so full of this that I struggled to, to push away the scriptures that I was not going to have time. And I just decided to go with a passage in 2 Corinthians. It begins in chapter 6 with verse 14. And it says, written to the churches, to the church at Corinth, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship? Can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we 
are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And then another quote, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Continuing in chapter 7, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, that last verse there introduces the term holiness, which is uh, a full-blooded sibling of repentance. Holiness is the effect of repentance. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So repentance slash holiness is not something that is optional. You want to go to heaven, get into the program. And I know that some of you already are beginning to feel uneasy and a little bit of this unnamed guilt is beginning to kind of grip your heart. Well, don't resist that just yet. Let's just use that for a moment. And th those of you who are not, what is your deal? <clears throat> Number one, holiness is part of our life and is necessary. Holiness is part of our life and is necessary. Colossians 1, 21 to 23 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Now this, we are, we are also this morning dealing with the question, which I started off with, does it matter how you live after you're saved? Or is once saved, always saved the rule? Does it matter how you live? Because once saved, always saved says, no, it doesn't matter. You get saved, doesn't matter how you live after that. Can't be lost. Does it matter? Is that true? Well, holiness is necessary to see the Lord. And once you were alienated from God, but now he's reconciled you, that is, to himself, through Christ's physical body. And his purpose is to present you holy in his sight, no blemish, free from accusation. I read the um, Greek New Testament as part of my morning devotional. And the other day I was in the book of Revelation, and it said, the accuser of the brothers who accused them day and night before God, was thrown out of heaven. He lost his place in heaven. The accuser stands there and, if necessary, just lies about us. However, most of us provide stuff so that he doesn't have to lie. He can just announce the facts. But God's plan is that the accuser will have to lie if he's going to say anything negative. Did you get that? God's plan is that we be free from accusation. That is guilty. You can be accused, but you're not guilty. And God who knows everything uh, will know what to do with such an accusation. And so the if 
you continue in your faith because we're saved by grace through faith. So God's grace is not going to fail. If your faith doesn't fail, honey, you're secure. And I am not teaching eternal insecurity. Did you smile? I can't see you very well. That, uh, that is what some of us have had. I, I, I developed my own theology growing up as a, a guy that, that knew more Scripture than he had uh, the ability to work with abstracts. So I, I, I take into my concrete mind these scriptures that need to be embraced with your abstract capabilities. And by the time I got those abstract capabilities, these fears and guilts were already established in my mind, and I was eternally insecure. I got saved every Sunday night, which is better than ignoring it. That's far better if you're a little kid or you're an old person. <laughs> wants to give their heart to the Lord all the time, work with them because God will heal. That's part of what he will heal. And it took years before God healed that to the place that if someone were missing, like I walked into the house one day after Pam came to live with us, and she was not in her bed where she was supposed to be, and Eunice was not in the house, and the stab as a pastor uh, for goodness Six, eight years I'd been a pastor. The stab in my heart of fear that the rapture had come and I was left. That's awful. Well, God heals that. Because it wasn't too long after that that the Lord spoke to me in the way that he does to make us whole. And you, you have heard me say now, well, it can't be the rapture because I'm still here. Oh, is that better? Is that he, if, if it's based in the Word of God, and mine is, the Holy Spirit's faithful about that, that is about a thousand times better, and that's the will of God. Now, you can go to heaven with those kinds of inadequate healings. You don't have to be healed to go to heaven. It just makes it so much more fun getting there and probably makes us a better redeemer because we are in the redemption business. So holiness is important. And here's what I want to get to you about holiness. I don't think I read this anywhere. I think I was just working on holiness and enjoying it. What a wonderful subject. Because like, like regeneration back here at the beginning when we were saved, holiness is not going to be up to us. In our strength, we're not good enough. We can't pull it off. I, am, I have the reputation, it's a, it's a false rumor, but I have the reputation of being self-disciplined. And so people expect me to just be self-disciplined. Well, good luck. And those of you who are, who are truly self-disciplined, your righteousness stinks in the presence of God. So it's not about our righteousness. It's about making ourselves available to the work of God in our hearts that we may indeed be holy. Now, there are things we can do. Don't be unequally yoked here, as we read earlier. Uh, your best friends are lost folks, and you're not bringing them to Jesus. You got a problem. You say, Jesus was hanging out with all these ungodly people. Yes, and he was saving them. And you know why he was hanging out with them? His father was doing that. 
because Jesus is the one that said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. I don't say anything except what I hear the Father saying. So when he was hanging out with, the, with this crowd uh, that was just totally worldly, didn't even make any claim of trying to keep the law, he was doing that because that's what the Father was doing. And you do what the Father says. You say, I don't know what the Father's saying. Okay, don't hang out with unbelievers for your own personal pleasure. If you are with them, you go on a mission. You are in ministry to help them. And if you are, are being directed to wash their feet, to help them out, one of our missionaries in the U.S., uh, we support as a congregation. They're starting a church out in Colorado. Colorado's uh, with the real Colorado people. It's, the, the church work is kind of stinky because those people think they are so smart and they are so cool. And many of them are enamored with the, with the uh, New Age idea and they, they're just above us who have it figured out because, you know, you can't really have it figured out and they're just, it just stinks. They're just so silly. I wonder what I, how I feel about them. But anyway, this, these people are, they've, they've started this church. And I was, reading their, I was reading their newsletter yesterday. And there was, there's this gal that has not come to the Lord yet. But she has been so blessed. Her feet have been so thoroughly washed that she considers this church to be her friends and she's not even a spiritual member of it yet now if you're doing that that's great but if you're just hanging out because you like that crowd and it's just kind of fun for you this is not about you we are in the redemption business I don't think you got that this is not about you we are in the redemption business don't worry about whether you're having a good time or not now, now you're getting it a little bit better. I'll say it again in just case you missed that. Now, I was, wor I was working on this holiness thing in my mind, and I don't ever remember reading this anywhere, but I figured out that holiness is the integration of the Spirit of God all the way through every part. Now, integrate means to form, coordinate, or blend into a functioning whole. It means to unite. It means to incorporate into a larger unit, to end the segregation of and bring into equal membership in society or an organization. And in, it's related to integrity. And um, so what we need is the Spirit of God integrated all the way through our being. Why the Spirit of God? Because His name is Holy Spirit. That's why. And without holiness, we're not going to see the Lord. You say... You're still making me uncomfortable. Good. I'll deal with that neurosis later. Uh, number two, holiness is one of the most exciting aspects of Christianity. And I can hear you say, yeah, but you're, you're sadistic. That's really, <laughs> you just love for me to suffer. I'm sitting here worried and you're gloating. No, I'm not really gloating. But I want you to pay attention because what I say today can change anyone who does not have an adequate uh, picture of holiness can change your life. Now, let's go back into the text where we, we read earlier, 
where it says, don't be unequally yoked. And we pick up verse 16 again. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, folks, that's exciting. God living in us. God walking with us. You say, if I didn't hang out with these friends, I wouldn't have any friends. Well, two things about that. You'd be far better to not have any friends than to have the kind that will compromise your standards of walking with God. Will take away from the power of the scripture in your life. Don't do it. What I'm trying to say is, stop it. What I'm trying to say is, don't let that happen to you. It'll take you out. I've been thrown into the position of, of trying to coach some marriages in the last couple of years that the woman has gotten tied up with these friends that are just worldly. And she's just loving it. And the marriage can just go to hell. And in bo both the instances of the two that I have in mind, they do not have a biblical reason to get a divorce. It's just, I like my friends. And if I want to hang out and listen to and, and be influenced by these people, that's my business. It's my life. No, it's not your life. Not if you belong to Jesus. It belongs to him. Get over it. Just get rid of that. You will not be able to be successful in holiness if you do not have the foundation of my life belongs to God. He purchased it. He paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. He endured the suffering of watching his son die on the cross. And friend, he did not turn his back when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to watch it all the way through. What Jesus was experiencing is that when you have been filled up and made to be sin, you cannot experience the feeling of the presence of God. And Jesus, who lived by being with the Father so that he did what the Father was doing, said what the Father was saying, was so full of your sin and mine that he could no longer experience that sense of union with the Father. And that's why he cried that out, not because God split. Don't get confused. God's everywhere. He can't split. And he had to suffer that all the way through with his son. And so Jesus bought you. And don't say, I'll do what I want to do. You may do what you want to do, but you have no right to do that and call yourself a Christian. Christianity is not about my rights unless you want to say, I have none. Then it's about my rights. Now, let's go to number three. Our attitude in holiness is one of hatred towards sin, unrighteousness, and the corrupt world system. Those of you who are new among us in, in, in the sense of being more recently in the Assemblies of God, um, since the charismatic movement in the United States, the acceptance of tongues talkers 
has been a little bit more than it was before. We were really, really weird. And it was kind of like we were against them. They were against us. And that's in the church world. Extremely unfortunate. Extremely unfortunate. That's the reason you don't hear me criticizing people that I think are truly born again, people who are truly Christian. And you have to be, you have to be born of God to be a true Christian. You can't be born into it by the family, uh, giving money, being baptized. Pastor Barry often says, we don't want your money. Uh, we don't want you to give. We just want you to receive. And that's a great thing for the first time. And it's also great all the way through because you can't buy into this. If you want God's blessing on your finances,